Welcome back to Think Deeper Podcast. Jack Wilkie here with Joe Wilkie, Will Harib. Uh, we're talking women's roles this week. Uh, very interesting, very always relevant one uh, for 2,000 years of church history. So we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, just want to remind you guys, uh, we really appreciate the deep thinkers. I uh, love the, the listeners we have. We get so much good feedback and um, uh, Focus Plus subscribers, all that. But uh, if if you listen along and you want to know how to support the show, focuspress.org slash donate is the best way to do that. I just want to remind you that that's there. Uh, whether it's, uh, I mean, there's the monthly recurring thing, but even if you just want to send something along every now and then, um, we, we sure appreciate that. Um, and, and all who do donate, uh, again, Focus Plus, uh, it's 10 bucks a month. That's just kind of like a regular donation, and you get a lot of content for it if you want to do that. But uh, plenty of ways to support us, and uh, we really appreciate, again, uh, and if you don't have the financial, uh, pray for the show, but also uh, likes, shares on social media, just help the word get out, tell a friend. I mean, that that's how podcasts grow, is friends telling friends. And so... Um, financial support helps us a lot. If you can't do that, there's a lot of other ways. And, uh, we just, again, want to say we appreciate you guys and, uh, thanks for the help. All right, Will, what do we got this week? Yeah, we've got a lot to get into with this episode. Um, as you already said, Jack, we're talking about women's roles in the church. Um, obviously specifically, we're going to get into, you know, what we believe the new Testament teaches about women's roles in worship, but we're going to move kind of beyond that into what about some of the other, um, things that, you know, it's kind of commonly accepted that women are able to do, uh, ladies days and things like that. Um, children's ministries, female youth intern, there's a lot we're going to get to. I don't want to spoil the whole episode. Uh, that way everybody will, uh, stick with us and keep listening. But as we get this thing started, I think, I do think it's an interesting exercise. If if I were teaching a class, 50 people or so, and I just asked, Hey, what is a woman's role in the church? What do you think the answers would be? How would you, as as the listener, respond if somebody asked you, what is, what is a woman's role in the church? A lot of people, I would say, don't have an answer for this. You know, a lot of people, you know, might kind of go, you know, maybe stutter through some things about serving or whatever, but a lot of people don't know. And that there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of, or I should say, there's not a lot of clarity about this topic. And so that's why we felt the need to address address this topic in this episode. And I, I think it's a problem that has been um, kind of, boiling over as of late in this world, in this society where feminism rules, where men are kind of viewed as the privileged group. And so we need to kind of shove them down and raise women up. Of course, we're doing that in all society with, you know, jobs and with, again, the media, you've got uh, females being the stars of Disney movies. That's been the case for like 10, 15 years. So we live in a society where they're really pushing women taking more prominent roles in things, feature roles in things. Again, feminism is really driving this, that men have been privileged and so they need to kind of be shouted down and women have been oppressed, so they need to be raised up. Well, this leaks into the church quite a bit. You've got the rise of, of egalitarianism, of a lot of obviously far more progressive leaning churches uh, wanting to incorporate women uh, into worship services, into leadership roles, into really being, uh, again, kind of prominent, prominently featured in congregations. You've got and so they're they're looking to be more inclusive in that way. You've got young people that are kind of viewing the church, especially the Church of Christ, as sexist or misogynistic because we don't allow women to do those things. And we were talking about this a little bit off air. I'm I'm going to let Joe get into it a little bit more specifically, but I think the reason young people view it that way is because when we say, or you know, or when they ask why women can't have a leadership role, what's our answer usually? Oh well, the Bible says they can't. 
well, okay, to a 17-year-old, they're going to be like, okay, cool, so God hates women, or God is sexist, or God is misogynistic, or all these things. We don't give people solid answers. We don't give people good enough answers. And so, guys, what did you want to get into as far as the introduction goes to this topic? Because, again, I do think there's a lot of just confusion, not a lot of clarity about this, and there's a lot we want to get into. But as far as this introduction and, and kind of why this is worth talking about, why this is a problem, what do you guys have to add? I think this is an issue because we have kind of the ruling class. Oh, well, that's the preacher. He's our he's our spiritual head. Well, that's the elder. He's our spiritual head, which is true. The elders are, but then it's kind of like, and the rest of us, like you know, just down here, the the little the peasants, right? Yeah, the, the peasants, exactly that type of idea. Instead of recognizing everybody does have a part to play, we preach Ephesians four. You know, every what every joint supplies, and that sounds great. What does that tangibly mean? We have nothing for our women. We don't ever talk about how a woman can step up in church other than leadership. And so anytime a woman wants to step up, it's like, well, there's one thing you can do. It's either you do nothing or you step up in leadership, which is, as you said, the rise of egalitarianism is like, well, why can't they? There's a, there's a lot of reasons why God says that's not supposed to be the case, but this rises and this becomes a question because we have nothing else for them. We don't ever discuss the ways a woman can practically get involved in church without it being a leadership position. It's like leadership or nothing. That's the point I'm making here is like, it's leadership or nothing, whether it's with a man or a woman, because everybody else just gets to skip church and gets to do whatever else. And we're not really required to do much and to Jack's point about consumerism, right? Where we come in and we consume and it's like, well, yeah, so you either are doing nothing in the church or you're leading in the church. And so women for church of Christ are doing nothing in the church is what it seems like. And that's not fair. And they got a lot more. And that's what we're here to discuss. Jack, any thoughts? Yeah, two things. One, uh, it's the same problem we have in so many other ways. We are very firm on what the no's are. No, you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do the other thing. But when you don't have like a positive prescription, you really leave yourself open to all kinds of, well, what about this? What if we kind of get like, uh, just go this far? This is not forbidden. So it's something that, you know, just anything goes like, well, no, actually, there are good things that we should be working towards. The other thing, and this kind of goes with what you're saying, I think I made this point in Reset or something I wrote at some point, there's a million words out there, um, about church is basically only Sunday morning, like what we do at the building. And well, if you're not allowed to get up and speak during that, well, then women are oppressed. They're not allowed to do anything. Like Sunday morning is obviously at the center of everything we do. It's not the only thing we do. And so kind of developing out what else do we do and, and how can somebody play a part in that, that's pretty important. Yeah. Yeah. I would also say, I mean, you, again, from a societal perspective, there is a push for women to go out in the corporate world and to to rise and to, to climb the corporate ladder just as much as the men do. And what does that result in? Kind of a, a devaluing of the home, a devaluing of, you know, the idea of a wife being a mother and being a, a stay at home mom and, and, and a homemaker and, and keeping the house and all these things that is viewed as inferior. That's viewed as something, man, who would ever want to do that? And I see the parallel there again with the church as well. Like, well, the the leadership role is obviously the role that everybody should be striving for and everything else is just irrelevant. Not the case, not the case at all. And so um, let's get into the worship side of things. I put on here, I, there's obviously a huge difference between the question of what is a woman's role in the church as opposed to what is a woman's role in worship. Those two things are not synonymous. It's kind of two different categories we need to get to. And so we are going to start with the most obvious position, obviously the one that we believe the New Testament teaches, which is 
as far as worship goes, women are are not allowed to speak, teach, hold any authority position in worship. And so, uh, most of our listeners that that you know regularly listen to us are going to agree with us on this. But we did want to state this up front and get it out of the way that obviously the New Testament does not prescribe women as being able to take authority roles, leadership roles, speaking. You can go to First Corinthians fourteen. In fact, I am going to go to these two passages very quickly to read them. Um, and then we're going to get to some of the objections that people bring up uh, here in a second. But 1 Corinthians 14, obviously starting in verse 26, there's a lot that Paul's writing about kind of the order that needs to be taking place in church meetings. Um, but verse 34, let your women keep silent in the churches for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home for it is shameful for women to speak in church. And then to me, the one that, that is better to go to is 1 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, verses 11 through 15, let a woman learn in silence with all submission. And I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence for Adam was formed first, then Eve. Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, holiness with self-control. The reason I like First Timothy 2 is because the egalitarians, of course, would point to this prohibition of women speaking and, and saying, well, that clearly was cultural. That was clearly something that back then w was a big cultural issue. And so Paul for the Corinthians or Paul writing to Timothy was was concerned about women taking leadership roles, roles for that culture for that time and doesn't really apply to us today. We well, go to First Timothy 2. What's the problem with that? Is that Paul appeals all the way back to creation. He appeals to Adam. You know, Adam was formed first and even Adam wasn't seen, but Eve was essentially the reason for this is not because this congregation was having a particular issue that Paul felt needed to be addressed. The issue was, is there is a clear hierarchy that goes all the way back to creation. And we also see it all the way throughout scripture that is intended to continue in worship. Um, and so, uh, and then I put on here also, you look at just all the new Testament examples of church leadership, elders, deacons, they're to be the husband of one wife. Well, what does that imply? Females are not authorized to have that role. You know, the, the, uh, evangelists and ministers that you see, you know, Timothy and Titus, they're all men. And so guys, I'm going to get you in here before we get to some of the objections. Obviously we believe firmly, this is what the new Testament, new Testament teaches. We believe it is not cultural. Um, any additional thoughts on kind of that position, that standpoint, before we get to um, all the objections that are typically brought up about Deborah and Priscilla and Phoebe and all those. Well, yeah, you look at the why, you know, exactly what you're talking about biologically men are created to lead we are you know, we're we are stronger we run faster you know the the me him anything you can do i can do better to michael jordan's like are you kidding me <laughs> are you this is such a joke like he's michael jordan tried dunking a basketball on him whereas he would jump right over you so no not everything you can do we can do better and there's th certain things that a woman can do but the idea that you know this rises because of the modern feminist movement of like well they can do anything that a man can do no you can't you can't like biologically, you can't, but this, there's a reason God may, you know, it calls first Peter talks about the woman being the weaker vessel. There's a reason God calls men to lead, to step up, to be, you know, we created Adam first. Like it's specifically saying this in first Timothy two, Eve is the one that fell into, you know, was deceived. She's the one that initially, you know, took the bite of the fruit or whatever it is. Adam was not leading. That's why Adam gets, gets in trouble is Adam. You listen to the voice of your, your wife. You did not lead Adam. So man from the very beginning of time and that's what he's appealing to in first Timothy two this is not a cultural thing as you said like he's using adam and eve saying back from the very beginning man was intended to take dominion man was intended to lead he was intended to protect he was intended to go out and fight the dragons all along 
if we took preaching seriously and if we understood what preaching really was, which it's not some goofball get up there and have some memorable sermon that, you know, is is full of everything. No, we are here to to proclaim the word of God. We ought to have warriors in the pulpit, but because we have weak men in the pulpit and not warriors in the pulpit, we're one step away from having a woman. If the guy is going to be egalitarian, if the guy is going to be weak and a, and a wimp in the pulpit, why not stick a woman up there? And that's what we've gotten to. Whereas if we understood the call of the Christian man, if we understood what a warrior, Isaiah and Jeremiah and Elijah, and these guys that are proclaiming the word of God, if we understood the manly men that they are and what it took to lead a congregation, maybe we wouldn't be so quick to, to consider throwing a woman up there. And I know we in the church of Christ aren't, but I'm talking well, about Christendom in general. Weak men have given rise to this. I was just going to say real quick before Jack gets in here, what's the reason for this? You see the fact that proclaiming the word of God, even just being in a leadership position, you know, in general, leading a congregation, that's going to require the, I guess, ability to step on people's toes. That's going to require sometimes, sometimes offense is going to be taken. Sometimes hard things are going to need to be said. Sometimes people's feelings are going to get hurt. What do we see? I mean, just, just get on social media. That's all you have to do is just get on social media. What do we see? For you know, comp men compared to women, and again, this is just biologically true. If if you're upset at us because we're stereotyping, it's biologically true. What do you see? Women are far more concerned typically with people's feelings and hurt and nurturing you know, coming across coming across too harsh and too mean, and 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 again, there's just more emotion involved. How do you think that's going to translate over to the pulpit, or, or or again, any leadership position where a tough stance has to be taken? Biologically speaking, men are just going to be far more wired and able to do that. Jack. Yeah, there's, I was trying to pull up this thing. I, I couldn't find it on my phone, but there was a, just something that somebody wrote at one point of, and I wrote on this, uh, I did an article about, you know, kind of testosterone and the falling testosterone levels in society and kind of going to Joe's thing about weak men. And I drew on this point that somebody made that those that have low testosterone, which is men that are low testosterone and, and women, they make their decisions not on what is right, but on are other people okay with me thinking this? Why is that? Because if other people aren't okay with you thinking it, you might have to fight for it. You might get pushed conflict, back. You, right. Yeah, conflict. I mean, women are built to be conflict averse. Men are built to take on necessary conflict. The kind of conflict Joe's talking about of, you know, Elijah and Ahab or or Peter with the Sanhedrin or uh, that kind of conflict. And uh, you're just not wired for it. And it's a blessing that God did wire some people for it and they should be the ones doing it. And I mean, in the same sense, uh, you know, biblically, you send a woman out to fight your battles. Uh, the the text in Leviticus about a woman not wearing man's clothes, you know, people will point to, well, that was about military gear. She shouldn't wear military gear. Like, yeah, that's not diminishing the point. That, that's telling you there's a big difference between the two uh, that you're, as Joe saying, you're, you're built for certain things. And so I don't know if you guys have ever listened to, not that I'm in the habit of doing it, but I've, I've seen clips here and there of, of women pastors getting up and preaching. It's, it's the it's fluffiest a, thing you've ever heard. Well, yeah. it's exactly this. It's so therapeutic. It's so, come on guys, you know, like, and, and I'm not putting women down. I'm saying you're not built for what this role calls for. And if she is super dogmatic about something, it's so like performative. Like, I'm sorry, you have a tough time taking it seriously because this goes against their nature. So it's like, can a woman step up? This gets us into our next part of the discussion, but like, can a woman step up and potentially take the role of a male? She can, but this is the point is it's shaming to every male. If a woman, if, if a woman sends the man out to fight the battle, it's like, well, 
yeah, that's what we're supposed to do. The man's supposed to pay. The man's supposed to hold the door open. The man's supposed to go out. And when there's a bang outside the door in the house, you know, you, the man gets up and goes and looks. If you send your wife, you are a pansy and you should be full of shame. Like, well, why? That's not their role. That's not their job. We instinctively know this. In society, we know it. Instinctively, we know this. So when you have a woman get up in the pulpit and fight your battles from the pulpit for you, every it's man should be sitting there in shame. As, as, as sending her out to see what the loud noise Bingo. was. Right. Every man well, yeah, should be filled with shame. In Acts 20, when Paul's talking to the Ephesian elders, he says wolves are going to come in. Savage wolves are going to come in from outside and try and tear apart your flock. You don't send the woman to fight the wolves. And man, people will look at this. That's misogynistic. Eh? You hate women or whatever. I'm telling you, we're not going to let we're we value you enough that we're not going to send you to fight wolves when you're not equipped to do it. That's not right. from we think you're terrible. We think you're dumb. We think you're, you know, of no talent or anything. It is not that at all. It's we're going to take on these this hard role that was given to us and not subject you to it. I, I it's well, so the, participation trophy. Everybody can do whatever they want. No, you, you really that's can't. that's what I was about to say real quick. Joe, sorry, is just this whole no, myth you're... of equal this whole myth of equality just drives me nuts. Everybody is not equal. And, and to try to pretend that everybody, like, I'm sorry, even, even men to men, I am not as good at basketball. Joe, you brought up my, as Michael Jordan. I, sh I, I am not on the same level as him, but should I just for the sake of equality say, well, I should get to play in the NBA. No, that's not how it works. There are certain things that people are given talent skills that people are blessed with. We're just, we're designed differently. And especially when you can, when you bring in the male female dynamic, Again, we brought it up. Biologically speaking, there are so many differences. Women are far more well-equipped uh, to handle certain things, and men are far more well-equipped to handle certain things, and leading is one of them. You see it in corporations. You see it in, in businesses. You see it, again, obviously, in, in congregations. Is That's what we're discussing. Well, nations. I mean, Isaiah to, to try, says it's a curse against a nation when you know right. women and children lead but to try to further this, this myth that we all need to be on the same playing field and everybody's equal and the same – is just a straight denial of human nature. Well, equality so of value is not equality of, of purpose, of correct. design. I mean, that, that like, yes, right. we both have souls. We're both equally valuable before God. Jesus died for both of us. That doesn't mean we were created to do the same things. And this goes back to our main point here, which is roles in the church, women's roles in the church matter for us to get this right because we need them to know you are incredibly valuable in certain aspects of the church and men are incredibly valuable in other aspects of the church. We're both highly valuable. It's one thing to go, obviously, as you said, Jack, like Christ died for all of us, but sometimes it's, yeah, Christ died for all of us. Okay, now sit down and don't do anything. Like, no, but we do need you. We we do have value. And these things are logical. And what I deal with in therapy is when logic stops and it can, you know, and, and the behavior continues, then what? Well, it's driven by emotion. What's the issue here? We're driven by emotion where women have been basically pushed to the side, like we don't need you in a lot of churches say, no, but we do. We are needed. Yes, you are. We've done a disservice in not giving them other outlets and not giving them other things that they could be doing. And so I want to get this well, into the next discussion. I, I just want to wrap this by why we're so big on this. I think Christianity in general has gotten this wrong for 30 or 40 years uh, with the complementarianism thing is... It, it it grants, okay, in the home, the husband is the leader. In the church, the men are the leaders. Beyond that, everything's the same. Like, no, if you don't take it back to design, you're not going to get why there was a difference. If you're not getting it back to, right. you know, creation order, all the things that we're talking about here, you're going to misunderstand it. And when you misunderstand it, of like, well, if we're the same everywhere else, if, if a woman can be a soldier and a policewoman, why can't she be in the pulpit? Like, she shouldn't be those things either. Okay, like, this is a design, creation order. And, well, you can't find that, like, well use your brain these principles are all right there in genesis uh you know this 
use your eyeballs. I mean, again, as we're seeing like the transgender okay. swimmer thing, like your eyes make these things very clear. And it doesn't mean, you know, you've got to have a tall, burly man in the pulpit. No, it means you need somebody that can do the things a man is called to do. Okay, fellas. So let's transition into some of the objections because we're saying, hey, this is what men are called to do. And what is the first thing you hear? Whoa, whoa, whoa. What about Deborah? Deborah's the first one. Now we got a number of objections here, but this is the, by and far, the biggest one that you will hear from those that are objecting to this going, hold on, but didn't Deborah lead the nation of Israel? Judges 4. We all know the story of Deborah. If you don't, go, go read Judges 4. And yes, Deborah seems to take a leading role. Bayrak is, is you know, kind of on the fence, kind of not being a man. And then she kind of leads him along and things like that. Seemingly, that's kind of what it seems in, in the text is Deborah has to take the leadership role. So that would seem to indicate, fellas, that women are perfectly fine to take leadership roles. What would you say to that? I've, I always think it's so hilarious when people can't see the obvious fact that when they take the exception to something and say, ah, see, clearly this, this means that this should apply to everything and they make the exception, the rule. Um, and you know, I think you clearly just read the book of judges and you see that is the major, the massive exception. And what you really see is why did Deborah have to step up and lead? Cause Barak and, and I guess the other men, you know, for the children of Israel weren't doing it. They weren't stepping up to do it. And what's interesting about it is you go to Hebrews 11 who is uh, who is mentioned as in the Hall of Faith? It's not Deborah. It's Barak. And so uh, again, I just think appealing to this exception and, and trying to make it the rule is just really kind of a kind of a logical fallacy. Because the other thing too is you want to use Deborah leading the children of Israel, you know, or judging the children of Israel, and you know, kind of being in that leadership position, leadership role. I fail to see how that parallels with worship personally but you know again i think that's just something that if you're trying to make the bible say something that it doesn't you're going to go to whatever exception you can find and i think that's usually what happens here jack well and as you see i mean she didn't lead them out into battle she went and got a man to lead them like she yeah, yeah. she had to kind of uh, you know put a spur in, in him to hey buddy let's go come on get get your act together and get out there um but she she was doing that because she knew it was not her job to go do it and as you say you know, what do we got? 15 judges, one woman. You've got a string of kings, both northern and southern men. Uh, you know, you have Queen Jezebel, but she wasn't ruling it herself. I mean, she was a bad influence on her husband, but King Ahab was there. 12 apostles, all men. Uh, you know, like you go through all of these things, the, the high priest, the men, the priests, men, you know, Moses, Aaron, Joshua. Um, there's this pattern here. And like you say, oh, well, we got one. So that just proves that every, you know, like it, it should be 50 50, like. No, this is the exception that proves the rule. We we kind of have that, that terminology that means exactly that. Like, yeah, this this was a sign of judgment against the nation that they didn't have a man, you know, that Barak couldn't do it himself, that he had to have a woman go get him to do it. And and as he's told, look, because you're such a chicken, JL's going to get your, your victory here. She's going to be the one who, and, you know, she doesn't say JL, that's just how it plays out. A woman is going to get your glory. And, and it does, you know, and that's great that Deborah did her, her job, JL did her job there. That's not the ideal. And I think people have a really hard time separating the normative from the exception. Yeah. That's exactly right. Any yeah. additional I don't know that I should have anything. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I think you guys covered that well. So well then as we continue down the objections list, unless Will you got something else. No, I was just gonna let you go first on this and so I was gonna introduce this one. Sure, um, sure, sure. Since you didn't really get to answer the last one. We have Acts chapter eighteen. Everybody typically brings this one up next. And that is well, what about Priscilla? 
you know, you have Aquila and you have Priscilla, the the, the husband and the wife uh, duo here, who um, they're mentioned several times. Um, very, very faithful Christian couple. But in Acts 18, I'll just read 24 through 26, a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit. He spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. So obviously there, Priscilla is taking a leading role in, in teaching and, and, and studying with Apollos here. So obviously, Joe, that means that women, now that the New Testament has, uh, has come, they can take leadership roles in, in that sense because of Priscilla. What would you say to that? Yeah, I, I think people make a large leap here in saying, well, she's listed first, therefore she led the, the discussion. That's how it goes. We don't know if Aquila was deaf, you know, and she's the she's the sign language attorney. We don't know. We really don't know. To put her first, as a husband-wife team, they went and, you know, they went and, and were talking with Apollos. And, and in case Apollos anybody's wondering, Priscilla's mentioned first in verse 18, by the way. Just, just yeah. Just to clarify that. So I think that's that's one of the main reasons why they say that is like, oh, Priscilla yeah. is the one leading this discussion. Potentially, but I, I don't really see that. And the other thing is, once again, what does that prove? Yes, women can study the Bible. I think with a non-Christian or another man, women can. But by and large, I do believe that a woman should allow a man to do that role. And she's not doing it alone. Her husband is there. Her husband is helping. And just because her name is listed first, we don't know exactly why that is. But to make an it's entire a broad assumption. Yeah, correct. You're taking an assumption and trying to to build an entire case off of it. To me, that's weak. That's weak. When we have so many things pointing to the opposite, you're going to have to make that big of a stretch or take that big of a leap to try to make your point that you usually that doesn't go well. Yeah, I mean, you don't interpret the same thing with whatever. You don't interpret the exception as the rule, uh, like the the normative thing it's you have a normative thing and the other thing is i was looking it up because paul mentions them in in kind of the sign-offs in a few letters uh in second timothy he says prisca and aquila you know prisca short for priscilla so he lists her first in romans 16 uh three greet priscilla and aquila and so in in times where it's not talking about like teaching but just like listing them by name he lists her name first um i so you don't know why it, it's not i i don't know i mean like it's just a weird thing when it's just purely relational. But then in First Corinthians sixteen well, nineteen, when Paul talks about the church that is in their house, he says Aquila and Priscilla. Aquila and mm -hmm. Priscilla salute you uh, much in the Lord with the church that is in their house. And so when it's talking about you know them as hosts of a church, Aquila is listed first, which I think is interesting. Nobody ever brings that one up, uh, and you know even though she's listed first a few other times relationally, and so I think it's just reading way too much into that. Well, yeah, and when you do the Scripture Wars thing, what about Aquila and Priscilla? Okay, fit that into the context of everything else that we see Paul talk about, First Timothy 2 and 1 Corinthians 14. Like, there has to be a, a you know, biblical answer, a biblical solution to this. They both, you know, if, if your position is, well, Priscilla being mentioned first clearly means that she was leading the leading role. Okay, well, then how does that, you know, go with what Paul teaches in 1 Timothy 2 and 1 Corinthians 14? And so you have to come to the conclusion no, those two things both can't be correct. So, and and like y'all are saying, there is just kind of a stretch, uh, a broad assumption that takes place there. All right, let's move on to Romans 16, where we have Phoebe, who I don't know. This one, other than Deborah, I guess, might be the one that people bring up the most. I would say, at least in in the discussions that I've had with people, um, Romans 16, verse one. I commend to you, Phoebe, our sister, 
who is a servant of the church in Centrea. Um, I looked it up last night. New King James, ESV, uh, New American Standard, ASV, a um, few of the other pretty uh, pretty solid translations all have servant. Um, it is the NIV and the New Living Translation that actually has the word deacon for Phoebe. And then the RSV has the word deaconess for Phoebe. Should uh, tell you something about which translation you need to use, but uh, we can save that discussion for another day. Um, the, the Greek word, though, is diakonos. Um, and so I think that's where a lot of people get the idea that, oh, Phoebe. Phoebe was a deacon. Phoebe was a... Uh, a woman who was having was holding a leadership position of a deacon or deaconess in the church. And so what you do see actually is a lot of the more progressive churches these days are installing women as deaconesses, as putting them in charge of, of various things and you know putting them under that role. And I think most of them would probably appeal here to Romans 16 verse 1 and say, well, see, Phoebe was, therefore we have justification for doing that here. Um, I guess, Jack, you know, if you want to go first on this one. What are your uh, what are your thoughts on this one? It's just again another case of too far. I mean, you go to the deacon qualifications, and yeah, it it's, it gives qualifications for women in that section, but it, he doesn't say deaconesses. You know, deacon. It it's a very generic term. Means servant. Means minister. I mean, it's translated a different a few different ways. Um, so again, you have to go to okay, what outlines are we given for that elsewhere i mean why why could a woman not have been chosen as one of the deacons in act six uh why wasn't she she could have been why wasn't she uh and and so yeah it's entirely possible for a woman to be a servant and not a deacon and we kind of get a little weird about offices or job titles or whatever else you know official roles um deacon elder preacher minister whatever else and people say well every christian's a minister yeah yeah but there's also a sense in which you've got the minister, you know, uh, right. every Christian's a servant. Yes, they are. Uh, you know, deacon means but servant. Also have some yeah. Deacons. yeah. Right. And so like by which you can say, look, I mean, if, if we're using the, the Greek diakonos just to mean servant, all three of us are diakonoi, whatever the, I'm, I'm not a Greek expert. Don't, I'm, I'm probably using the wrong ending there. Uh, deacons, diakon, now whatever. Um, all three of us are in the generic sense. We're not in the official sense. And, I have no problem saying she was in the generic sense, somebody who was serving the church there. Uh, it to extrapolate that to, well, that means they, see, they've got this official role. Eh, I don't know about that. You can see how, especially if, if somebody's using the new living translation or the new international version or the RSV or whatever, this one would be a stumbling block. Like, Oh, there was a female deacon. There, right. You know, there's a, 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 a clearly a woman here who was serving that deacon role. Again, I kind of referenced a second ago, Going to the Greek and making sure that you have an accurate translation of the of the Bible is a is a pretty uh, pretty important thing here. But Joe, did you have any thoughts? No, I think that's the same as as verse seven when it talks about junior or Junius, um, which is feminine. You know, you may look at it and say, okay, Junius is you know, is that does that have to be a woman? Yeah, it's in the feminine. It's a woman. It talks about her being an apostle. Well, apostle is just one cent. Um, you know, we have the apostles of. of well, I'm curious, Joe, and, what your translation says because mine just says. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my countrymen and my fellow prisoners who are of note among the apostles. Who are yeah. outstanding among the apostles. Is, well, is some, what, so yeah. people will look some at say, it and say outstanding among the apostles. Some will say, well, known among the apostles, which seems to indicate, yeah, the apostles know who they are. But others will take that as, hey, well, everybody knows they're apostles. Yeah. Even right. even so, though, I don't know that, that that doesn't, even if that was the reading, that doesn't pose a challenge to me because 
talks about that being the apostle. It also talks about, um, and there's kind of debate in this. I think it's Galatians one, Colossians one or Galatians one talking about James being an apostle. Um, James brother, Jesus being an apostle. Barnabas is called an apostle. Barnabas Barnabas is called an apostle. That's right. So was he actually chosen? Well, he didn't walk with Jesus. So Barnabas couldn't have been an apostle in the traditional sense of what an apostle had to go through to be considered one of the 12 or 13, I guess, with Paul and Matthias after, after Judas. So there were specific instructions as to how somebody was to become an apostle and seeing Jesus and everything else, which Paul had on the road right to Damascus. So they didn't fit those descriptions, meaning I would take the traditional, this is the one cent somebody who was, you know, potentially going out and spreading the word of God. And it could be in a Priscilla Aquila type fashion here where those two people are going out as a husband wife. We don't know. We don't know, but that could be the other reading other than maybe they just Jack, are known by the apostles. That's what I was going to say, Jack. I don't know how much you just said you're not a Greek scholar in here. I am about to ask you about the Greek, but oh you know, with, you know, my translation, New King James saying who are of note among the apostles Seems pretty clear that's simply talking about the apostles know who they are. They are they are of note among them. I didn't know if the Greek has any you know something that would lean more towards the the reading of that they are known as apostles. Essentially, I guess is the other side. Like, wh- wh- which way does the Greek kind of reflect? Uh, well, that's kind of the thing. Is it could be um, either one. Yeah, as far as the object and all the grammar that goes into that. Gotcha. Uh, it could be taken either way. Uh, it, but again, like. Boy, it's really weird that you've got these apostles who are not calling it. Because the other thing is you look at like what it takes to get Matthias added as an apostle. And you get to the point where it's like, well, we're just naming everybody apostles now. Like we're just handing out this this title like this. There's exclusively 12 of these people. And, you know, Paul, extraordinary circumstances. He gets the gospel straight from Jesus and everything that he he claims, you know, and and he defends his apostleship there in, in 2 Corinthians and all that like. And and the apostle to the Gentiles. I mean, like that, that in itself is an important thing that he's got like his own specific apostolic role. But then we're just uh, again, like, okay, well, just anybody gets to be an apostle. I mean, like that as you, is that really what we want to say here? Right, right, right. As you read Romans 16 too, Paul is shouting out quite a few females. He shouts out Phoebe. Yeah. Um, Obviously he's got Priscilla there. He's got Mary uh, in verse six. And then you get to Junia. Um, He's 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 simply, you know, calling out essentially those who labor for the Lord, those who are servants, those who are, you know, fellow laborers or whatever to kind of make that jump and, and assume, oh, that that means they definitely had a leadership role is once again, to Joe's point to start the episode, making it an all or nothing proposition. If you want to be a servant of the Lord, you have to lead or that's you know that's basically the only option you have. No, you can you can be a servant, you can be a laborer without taking some kind of leadership role. And I was just looking, you know, as you consider every single objection we just looked at, Deborah, Priscilla, Phoebe, and Junia. Take a step back for a second. Let's say you are somebody who thinks, oh, you know, maybe those have some merit as to why women should lead. Look at the amount of hoops you kind of mentally have to jump through. Look at how how big of a stretch you have to make, how how big, how large of an assumption you have to get with every last one of those. There's not there's not one of those where it's like Oh yeah, slam dunk. That that's kind of you know defeats. Yeah, the, if you no, read this just right, them, you might be able to extract this out of it. Went just hard right. enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so I think that speaks for itself, guys. We have a lot to get to, and we're you know half an hour in. So I'm going to keep us rolling unless you guys have anything else to bring up about kind of those t- standard objections. I think we covered those fairly well. So the next question, Jack is the one who who made sure that we had this on the episode. I think it's I think it's a great uh, inclusion here. What about silent participation for women? 
okay, so we agree that they can't get up and lead a song. We agree that they can't get up and preach. preach. They can't lead a prayer, right? All those things. What about passing the Lord's Supper trays? Um, I put a few others on here. What about being an usher? You know, the person who walks the visitors to their seat, never says a word, you know, doesn't, you could argue doesn't even really get in front of the congregation, but you know, is you know, walks the people to their seat. What about working in the sound booth? Certainly not a, you know, quote unquote, in front of the congregation leadership role is not something they're not speaking in worship. What about those? Uh, I think this is something that, uh, again, a lot of congregations in order to be more inclusive, Maybe they maybe they go this route of having the woman pass the Lord's Supper trays, never say anything, but they pass the Lord's Supper trays. Um, those other roles are just kind of some other silent participatory roles that I thought of. But um, what would you guys say to these? For what purpose? That's what I would ask. For what purpose? Why why do we do that? And so many times it's pushing the envelope. Well, we just felt that they, you know, we just wanted to let them know that they're a part. Okay. Once again, you miss the the rest of the part that they can play in an attempt to get them up in front of the congregation, there is still a leadership. In my opinion, there's still a leadership element to passing out the, the, the uh, Lord's supper trace. There's still a leadership element in passing out the basket. Well, Cause there's the Timothy leadership passage element. says, you know, uh, teach or have authority over a man. And so we say, well, what authority do they have? I don't know. Why are they standing up front? I mean, like, <laughs> right. that's what I you know, well, what's the, like, and they'll say, well, she passes the tray when it goes down the pew. Like, that you don't see the difference here. I mean, like, I, I don't know. It's... Well, and again, we don't do this for visitors, but imagine a visitor coming in and a visitor sees that it's like, well, next week she might be just leading it. Maybe this week she's just passing. Well, and what almost always happens with these. And, and again, people, we can say trajectory doesn't mean that, you know, one step in a certain direction is wrong. Like, well, we can debate that all day long, but the trajectory is almost always, well, we can let them do this. Well, boy, it's awful mean that we're just not letting them do the next thing. Well, you know, she could read yeah. this because like some say, well, she could read the scripture because that's not her own word. So we'll get up and have her do the scripture reading. Well, we'll get up and have her do this or, you know, like it's always well, one what, step after another. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because yeah. boy, it's mean that we don't let them pass the trays, but then it's like, well, then they're only in a servant role where they're not allowed to talk. They're only like basically ushers or, or passing the trays. We're just making them go around and serve everybody. Oh, this is just, you know, feminine. This is a, this is a, uh, misogyny yeah we're, we're back to the 1950s where the women are passing out the food and that's all they're good for and so we gotta let them do something else there. yeah <laughs> yeah exactly i mean and it so always where's it yeah, at? one more step one more step yeah i've always gone to for you know the lord's supper thing like common sense tells you that's still a that's still an authority position you are in front of the congregation you are um you know up there you're you're, you're in a service role but it's one where there still seems to be a, an authority there and again to jack's point about the you can clearly see the difference between somebody sitting in a pew passing it down versus somebody who is standing up where everybody can see them, regardless of if they're speaking or not. I, I firmly see that that is still an authority position. Okay. So what about the sound booth? You're in the back. You're not standing up. Nobody's necessarily seeing you. You mentioned the sound booth. Let's go to that one. How do you feel about a woman being back there and manning the sound booth or, or helping? What and, and is there a distinction between manning it and kind of manning uh, <laughs> between leading, <laughs> womaning leading it, it <laughs> womaning it? Yeah, that's right. You know, leading that versus just helping. Let's say it's a I'm woman just, and her dad. Let me, you know, girl? let me let me think out loud here because I don't want to come down. I do the uh, the one thing I will say is I I don't necessarily see that one as an authority position like I do for the Lord's Supper tray passing. So I'll start there, that I do see a distinction there. Um, but you, I guess you could still argue that it's an authority position. I don't know. What do you, got, what do you guys have to say on that one? I think there's a lot of I, I think it's still. I think that, it's still pushing the envelope, but go ahead. Sorry. 
I just think there's a lot of technical stuff that goes into putting on uh, an assembled worship service, you know, because uh, then, I mean, we can extrapolate this to so many things. Well, can she put the, the crackers and the juice in the trays? Uh, I'm not trying to be flippant by calling it that, but I mean, like in the kitchen, you get the stuff out and you put the, the Lord's Supper, uh, you know, uh, stuff together is, uh, you know, can she count the money afterwards? Can she, you know, go and collect the visitor cards or, or whatever else? Right. Like all of these things that are outside of the purview of actual worship i mean i don't have as like i don't i don't think that's what the topics we're talking about really are you know where you're introducing confusion you're introducing oh well let's just tiptoe in this direction and see how it feels kind of thing you know like that's just me so like you I said, have as big of a problem with it yeah think? like i said there's a lot of things and i know like it's during worship and somebody said well it's during it's between the amens and preparing the, the lord's supper is you know, before all that, but I, I don't know. I, I think that's kind of, I do see a difference as well. Yeah. Joe. I do too. I, I man, it's a tough one. Cause even when you put this on the outline, well, like I don't know fully where I fall in. There's a part of me internally, and we can't just go off of that gut feeling. There's a part of me that's like, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Makes but then you, you talk bit, about yeah. it. Yeah. It makes you a little uncomfortable, but where's that coming from? We don't just, again, and this is, Look, we of all people, we want to think deeper about it. And there is a large swath of the church that kind of operates that way. Like, ah, it just doesn't feel right. Just because it doesn't feel right to you doesn't mean that it's necessarily wrong. At the same time, I do want to know, maybe explore that a little more internally for me. Where does that come from? Because I think you're right, Jack. It's not a leadership position. You are in the back. Like what I would worry about with a woman stepping up in front of the congregation is just that. She's stepping up in front of the congregation, whether to pass or whatever else, pass the trays. You know, for this year in the back, maybe she has technical skills in that way and she can help serve the church. I look at it, like I said, the feeling feels like, ah, maybe not. But I look at it logically and say it's her using maybe skills that she has to help the church in a way that's not a leadership position. And in that way, OK, I, I think that's OK, you know, to, to the rest of your points as well. Um, I'm going to I'm going to make a so meta point before we move on to the next one real quick. Sure. You might be listening. Going, Man, this is really stupid. You know, like this is like getting seriously in the weeds <laughs> with all this stuff. Or, man, these guys are stupid. The the conclusions they're coming to are ridiculous. This is what we're trying to do with this podcast is, like, real-life people have these questions, and they don't ever get asked. Like, you know, people, I, I've had these asked conversations. Asked or answered, yeah. Yeah, asked or answered. They don't have the, and it would be the easiest thing in the world to get on here and just say the generic things that everybody can amen. We are risking looking and sounding stupid to have the discussions that people are wondering about. And so... I mean, that's think deeper. Well, you might think, well, you don't think very deep. Okay, well, we're trying. I mean, deeper, deeper than maybe we did last week or something. But, you know, again, I, I'm kind of listening to this and there's a sense of just like, man, this is kind of ridiculous. And there's another sense of like, but it matters. These are real yeah. things that we actually do have to process and, and things that people are wondered about. And, and to know, pretend they don't exist is ridiculous, right? And that's, it, again, like I said, the easiest thing in the world would be to pretend it doesn't exist and just keep it on the level that everybody can amen and pat you on the back. Well, we might look like idiots, but, I mean, that's what you got to risk to have these discussions. So just that meta point, Great you know, point. Yeah. Uh, of, yeah. of why we kind of get in the weeds with these things, because somebody has to. I mean, that's that's what we're trying to do. So carry on. Okay. Let's let's continue down this. That's a sign of participation, but... The other currently accepted roles for women that I think this kind of goes into the work and sound booth, things like that. Um, I'm going to start backwards on our outline here. I'm curious, fellas, what do we feel? How do we feel about a female youth intern? So we I see saw this, this more and more. Go for it. Sorry, I was just going to say, I saw this a lot in Alabama, actually, when I was, uh, we, we did not have one at Decatur, but some a lot of the, the other congregations around would have, you know, a male and a female that were going to some christian school would come and intern for the summer as 
youth youth interns essentially that would kind of work for the youth minister and put on stuff. I got to be honest. Um, I am not, I'm not super comfortable with that. And I think it's for the reason that uh, we just talked about. It's a, it's a leadership role. I mean, it really is at least from, from every experience that I had, I, you know, again, I met several of them when I was in Alabama, really good people, you know, solid Christians. It seemed like, but I always struggle with it because call it what you want. If the female is working with the male to put on events and to schedule things and to, you know, and you could even say, well, she's just teaching the girls class or whatever. Uh, from everything I've seen, the, the, you know, the two work, the male and the female were working together in a kind of a leadership role. Yeah, that doesn't seem right to me. That's, that seems like you're because the other thing is female youth intern. OK, so what is she going to be in 10 years? Is she going to be a female youth minister? I don't know. Yeah, what, so. what, what do you graduate from that unto? Yeah, right. Is she going to be a female preacher? Well, I hope not. And so. I don't see the point in it, and I, I just think it's it's kind of asking for us. It, it's a step in the wrong direction. It's kind of asking for trouble later on. Um, I guess the the a, a okay version of it could be essentially you have somebody come in. All she does is really really try to connect with the girls of the youth group or whatever. But even then, I don't love that idea. So I don't know. I'm not a big fan of it, but it it just seems like they're taking a leadership position that they don't have the authority to take. I would to say play devil's advocate though. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Just to play devil's advocate. You could look at it and say, okay, but you have men that come in. We're going to be doing a, a, a seminar. Um, you and I are doing a gym seminar. So that's for the boys. Why can't we have something for the girls? That's what you always hear is look, we have the, the youth minister and he's over everybody, but he's, he really connects with the boys more. We need somebody to connect with the girls because the youth minister just doesn't, he's a guy. He doesn't really have the same, think about speak to the same problems. Think about what you would have to do with that as, you know, the congregation that's announcing who's coming. Hey, we've got these two interns coming. We've got so-and-so who's a male and so-and-so who's a woman. Well, what have, you, what have you just told your congregation? They're getting a woman that is coming in to take some kind of authority leadership position. Whether we like it or not, I agree with you, Joe. Again, I, I think let's say somebody did it internally where they asked, hey, you as a 27-year-old female, could you maybe teach a girls class or work with the girls on XYZ? I'm more comfortable with that as opposed to, again, announcing to the congregation, posting on Facebook, whatever. We've got these two young people coming. One's a guy, one's a girl. They're going to be taking some kind of right. role. Hold up. Hold up. You see what I'm saying? Like, I, that's where I. Oh, I definitely see it. Well, and I, I think it's kind of, well, we want to help young people with college summer internships or whatever, you know, give them experience and it helps whether, you know, college courses or whatever. And, you know, we were doing it for our guys. We might as well do it for our girls. Like, well, no, we're not that kind of organization. Sorry, we don't have a role for you. And creating right. one in the name of equality egalitarianism, why do we care about that? We don't care about that. We care about getting it right. Uh, you know, and again, equal value, not equal purpose and pretending equal purpose. And so, yeah, it because there's a lot of other considerations, you know, like the Billy Graham role, which I think is a very solid thing, not working one on one with women you introduce the possibility of that thing. And, you know, Joe, to your point about, well, we need somebody to relate to our younger girls. Like, yeah, maybe we should still, instead of going that direction, we should rethink the thing where we hire a 23 year old boy to hang out with teenage girls and, and try and minister to them. Like, yeah, you like don't that say, hasn't, right? like that hasn't led to some pitfalls over the years, same you know, thing. like especially unmarried. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, Hey, maybe <laughs> we're, we're going the wrong direction in solving this problem, I would say. And so, all right, so go ahead. Let's roll that into Joe. I, I don't know if you wanted to add on. No, that, you're good. I was going to say the exact children. same thing about youth, older teaching the younger, you know, hiring a 19 year old youth minister to connect with 18 year old girls. Like 
I just don't see that in scripture. That doesn't go get that goes against Titus too. But yes, let's uh, to your point. Well, I want to roll that in because that is kind of a okay. Well, and I don't know. Were you going to go with the children's ministry, or are you? Gonna I go was going to go with the children's up? ministry. I was going to okay. keep going in reverse order here. Yeah. Um, what yeah. about children's ministers? Um, you you do see that you know a good bit, and I even I looked up a couple congregations last night, churches of Christ that I know to be fairly solid. They have their ministers, pulpit minister, uh, college minister, um, outreach minister, whatever. And down there at the bottom, it says children's minister, and it's a female. That's what um, yep. And See I know too. of some congregations that they they don't they don't have the woman on the website as a part of this, you know, as a part of the ministry staff or whatever. But essentially, that's what she does. She's the she, you know she runs the children's classes, you know, ministry, whatever. Um, yeah, how do we uh, how do we feel about that one? I, I think I'm gonna just gonna go ahead and plant my flag. If you're putting a woman on your staff section of your leadership team, church website, you have your leadership team. Step back and reevaluate. Like, just consider what what kind of message are you sending? If you're saying, yeah, we don't permit a woman to speak or to have authority over a man or to be in a leadership position. Oh, by the way, here she is on our church website as in a ministry position. Like, it literally says children's minister. Consider well, the mixed just- messages that you're sending. It's just kids. It's just kids. It's like, okay, I'm sorry. Who does the Bible speak to in Ephesians 6 about who's over the kids? I think it's the father's (laughs) role. So I think the male should be in charge of the kids as well. You know, the youth and the kids all the way up. A male should be the one leading that charge and making sure because who's going to be the one that is held accountable for that kid's safety or for that kid's salvation, for that kid's choices down the line? The father, the the males, right? The elders, they're over all this stuff as well. So why would we have a female lead? She's not going to, God's not going to hold her responsible. It's like, why he's going to hold the man responsible? Why do you have a woman leading all the kids? Why do you have a woman taking over that? Well, women are great with kids, things like that. I understand that from a leadership perspective, there still should be a man leading that charge and leading that ministry and passing down the information from the elders that they've decided to help lead the kids. Yeah, I. The other thing is, like, I mean, the the level of supervision that's necessary is, you know, you can think, well. You know, three-year-olds aren't being taught a whole lot of doctrine. Well, maybe not, but like as as kids grow, they're learning stuff. They're learning important stuff, and man, a lot of this stuff gets delegated with zero oversight. And it's also the kind of thing an elder isn't going to sit in the fourth grade classroom and listen to a woman teach to check on her her doctrine. I mean, there's a lot of assumption, and I know some churches have like a doctrinal questionnaire of like, where are you on all these things, or we're not going to let you teach. I think that's a good thing for elders to insert themselves in the process on that level. But there's a lot of stuff of like, man, this is your job. This is, you know, what what people are being taught under the the, the under your roof, under your headship or whatever. Uh, just handing that off and saying, well, we'll let this woman train the teachers. We'll let her pick the curriculum. We'll let her do everything. And then she'll just report to us. Uh, that's a lot of delegation that I'm not really sure is is uh, is authorized, is wise. I don't know whatever you want to go with. I can already see this this one and probably the next one not being super popular um, when they hit people's ears of, of what you know we're saying. You're saying a man still has to be over the kids stuff, and again, the next one we're going to get into. We are going to end the episode with okay. So, what is a woman's role in the church? We've got quite a few things we want to cover there, and so this is not going to be a woman can't do this, woman can't do that. You know, your role is to sit and just worship. But again, I would just I'm going to appeal once again to consider the mixed messages you're sending. Consider the idea that. You, somebody sits and listens to a, a lesson about men being over, you know, the husband being over the wife, the, you know, men taking leadership role in the church. And then again, they walk past the, the staff board on the bulletin board and there's a picture of a woman leading as a children's minister, or whatever. 
it's just something that I feel like once again is pushing the envelope. It, it's towing the line in a direction that doesn't need to go. And yeah, I, I guess I don't have much else to say on that. I feel like it's pretty, pretty obvious to me. Um, but I don't know more, any, more any, than any anything, one, more than anything, it's trying to appease a certain sensibility that we just shouldn't care about. You know, yeah. well, well, what about this? What, what's, what are people going to think? What's it going to look? We just don't care about that. You know, I, again, in this kind of critical theory, equity kind of timeline we live in of, well, your church is going to be painted as misogynistic. Like, man, there's a lot of things that we're going to do biblically that are up until letting them be in the pulpit and, and be elders. Somebody's going to think that. So let's tro- stop trying to appease people who don't care about what the text says and just stick with uh, we, we don't need to do things performatively i guess is what i'm saying so much of this seems performative so, to make it look like well we value our women like no we do we don't have to do this to make that clear so i've been dying to ask the next question i'm gonna i'm gonna roll us into this this last one um i just had a i had a sneaking suspicion that joe was just chomping at the bit to get to this one so joe i'm actually gonna let you go first here it's been a while about, since a hot take with joe it has been i just can feel one brimming right now <laughs> Oh boy. What a what about ladies days? Talk about something that is widely accepted. Some of these other things I think are still pretty controversial in some areas, you know, children's ministers, female youth in turn, obviously passing the Lord's supper trays. A lot of these things are not very widely accepted in the Church of Christ. They are some places, some not. Ladies days are pretty well universally accepted. In most congregations, they're going to have a men's day, they're going to have a ladies day. Um maybe a, a youth ladies day or whatever. And so I've kind of got two questions here. And again, Joe, if you just want to take the reins and, and go for it here, but you have the question like, of, first I... of all, <laughs> are they scripturally acceptable? Um, which again, obviously most congregations believe that they are. But then the second question, which I think is probably the more interesting question, even if they are scripturally acceptable, are they a good idea? Are ladies days a good idea? So uh, I'm going to hand this one over to Joe. <laughs> um, okay. So I'm going to get out the, you know, right out in front. Older teaching the younger, we do see this as I referenced, Titus 2. Uh, is there a way for the older to teach the younger? Could it be used as such? I suppose I get that as an individual one-on-one. You're taking a young person aside. You're having them in your home, things like that. What are, what's my problem with lady days, ladies' days, as you've talked about? You know, clearly I have problems with it. I do think it's woman taking a leadership position. Well, it's just among women. Yeah, but she's taking an authority, a scripturally authoritative approach to something who does she fall under? Now, there's a discussion of, okay, if she were to teach false doctrine there, how would we know? And who's over that? Because they're always supposed to be under a head. They're supposed to be under the elders. They're supposed to be under their husbands. They're supposed to be under different members, right? The the daughter's supposed to be under the fathers. Who's the woman at the ladies' day supposed to be under? A man can't be present and listen to that. So there is no authoritative man in that position to be able to call that out. You say, well, some other ladies might call it out. We don't know. There's been plenty of ladies days where people have gone off the rails and said all sorts of feminist things that, that in my opinion, you hear about this later and you go, what in the world? How did you get to that point? Well, who's there to say otherwise? Women most of the time aren't going to stand up and just go to war over these things. And so you have a woman who really doesn't fall under any particular man. She gleans her authority from who knows where, well, from scripture, like, yeah, with her bent to the scripture, like she doesn't have to answer her interpretation. Her husband's going to have to answer her interpretation. Say, well, it's the same with a man. Yeah, but a man has to answer to God for that. And you say, well, one has to answer God. Yeah, but she falls under somebody's authority. And in ladies days, they don't. The other part, the other problem I have with ladies days, in my opinion, I think a lot of times it's kind of gaslighting, as they say, uh, which is 
really uplifting, fantastic, you great go, stuff. Girls. Yeah. You go, girl. Um, have I been in a ladies' day? I'm going to get flamed for this, man. People are going to shoot me for this. But have I been in ladies' days? No. At the same time, look, I've had... I've been around enough women and have talked to enough women about what goes on at those ladies days to know it is not exactly the hard hitting stuff. In my opinion, you say, well, a woman can't ever teach scripture. I'm, I'm hearing all of these just rattle around in my head as to everybody that's going to try to take a baseball back to this. I just don't think so, it's a scripturally good idea to give the woman the reins scripturally to go teach something. And if you do, here's the other thing I'd say, there needs to be, in my opinion, this is where I believe in head coverings. If you're going to do something like that, I think you ha need to have a head covering to remember you are under somebody's head. You are underneath. You are not teaching from that position of authority. I can. However, who's there to say otherwise? That's my problem yeah. with that. Who's there to say otherwise? So can, if it is a wolf in sheep's clothing, you have no shepherd there to say, whoa, hey, hold on. You can't say those things. The wolf could devour every woman in the church and there's nobody there to say otherwise. So yeah, I do have a problem with those. I can definitely get behind that that last point about head covering in that instance. Real quick though, Joe, I am going to pigeonhole you and ask, so is your answer no and no? Essentially, is, is a scripture acceptable? No. And then is it a good idea? No. I don't think we see a large gathering of women anywhere in scripture you know, where yeah. there's no man so, present. So no, I, I don't okay, agree so with it. And I'll, I'll go are they a good quickly, idea? And then I'll let Jack go, uh, which by the way, I'm going to shout out uh, my mom. She, she listens. She's probably not going to appreciate that. I shout her out. Joe, I think she 100% agrees with you on this one. Um, I have a hard time saying that it's, that it's biblically wrong. Um, that, you know, again, that people are in sin for doing it in the congregations. Um, yeah, are, are sinning, and I always hate to resort to that. But essentially, that's what I'm asking. If I'm saying is it scripturally acceptable, and we say no, then we have to say yeah, you know, I, that, I, that it's in the same line as instrumental music, essentially. Um, however, I'm I 100% agree with everything you said, and that's why I would answer, you know, it, scripturally acceptable. Yeah, yeah, maybe, but is it a good idea? No, I don't. I don't think it's a good idea for everything that you mentioned, and I do really love your point about okay, a male males are supposed to be the elders. They can't sit in on the ladies' days. They can't listen to a recording of the ladies' days, theoretically, later on. That's still kind of the same thing. So, yeah, who who is the, who is going to be there to to ensure that the that false teaching is... And not even necessarily false teaching, but just teaching that is not... I don't know. Stuff, stuff that should not be taught, I guess. Um, you know, slanting certain things a certain way that should not be slanted that way. I mean... The women's group, I mean, because we've talked about this before, before the women's groups on social media and how they're honestly not that great of an idea because everything is, you know, there's not any kind of authority position or anything like that. And so, yeah, I, I have a hard time getting across the bridge of that they're scripturally unacceptable, but I can jump over the bridge easily of, yeah, they they don't seem to be a good idea to me. The, the, the cons outweigh the pros. I do think Titus 2 is more so referring to smaller groups and will that's subjective. Yes, I understand. But as you read Titus two, it, it does not seem to be referring to a public setting where one person is talking to 50 other women. It seems to be more so the older women generically are taking the younger women under their wing and, and kind of almost mentoring them in a way in a one-on-one -on -one or, you know, smaller group setting, I guess. Jack, what are your thoughts? Yeah, this is going to be another one of those that maybe somebody's listened to, like, why on earth is is this a question? But uh, if you think about it, if we were starting from scratch, somebody said, well, let's do this. And and we are the, the people who back to the book, everything by authority. 
where is the authority for this? Where is the the setting for this for a woman teaching as a preacher? Uh, you know, it, and you can say, well, it's just for women. You know, that's okay. But and and it's not Let like them ask their husbands at home. Right. Well, it's not like you have this thing where you know, the men all died and, and we got to do something. It's you're specifically creating. And I, I that's one of the things I worry about is, well, they've got these talents and we've got to find a way for them to use it. Like I wrote an article years ago about, you know, boy, this uh, I've got these talents and they just won't let me use it. I, this is just so unfair. I can't believe God would do this. No, no, it's not a woman. It's a man from the tribe of Judah who's not allowed to be a priest. You know, like God sometimes just says, no, you don't get to do that. And where we say, well, okay, I can't do it over here. So let me create a specific venue in which I can bring these things to bear. Because the other thing is, I mean, I think we're, we're big advocates for how much more impactful would it be for one of these wise older women? And, and I'm not saying it's an either or, but like if it, sitting across their kitchen table and having these discussions rather than, all right, I'm going to get up behind the pulpit when nobody, none of the men are here. I mean, it, uh, I don't and know. typically it's those leadership lectureship ladies day things that are viewed as, oh, we have that. So we don't need to do the other. That's a problem. Like you can't you can't have that as the fill in for the across the kitchen table stuff. And, you know, I think a lot of women see it like, well, we have ladies days. So, I mean, that's well, that's I think just in general, we kind of think more premium preaching will fix all of our problems. Well, we've got yeah. more of it than ever. And that's not happening. So um, so I, I was just asking my conclusion. It would just be that like what justification do we have for it? Yeah. Bellas, yeah let me get on here really ahead, fast. Yeah, we're yeah, going to get ahead. into this. I'm not saying you're going to hell if you have a ladies day. Okay. <laughs> I do think there is a conscience. I, I think there's a little bit of a curve here. Of grading on Joe's curve. like, I, I can't, think, I can't, I, can't I, I will never attend a ladies day. That's good. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> My conscience is against a, it. I don't know about you guys. Joe, but boycotts right. Disney and ladies day. So we're up to number two here. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Right, there you great. go. But yeah, no, I'm not sending you to hell if you attend a ladies' day, but I would say strongly think about it um, is all I'm looking for. Do I think it's so, authorized in scripture? No. Do I send people help or no? Let's get into, Will, which is what you're trying to get to. What is a woman's role in the church? And I don't want to rush this, but at the same time, we've been going for a long time. So let's just jump right into it. I think we've referenced this a bunch. Titus 2 is a really good place to start because I think it has everything to do with one of the biggest roles I think women can have is in mentoring or in being mentored and specifically to what end. Well, being mentored in the Christian walk as to how to live as, as a Christian, how to be Christ-like, and also how to be keepers at home, how to love your husbands, how to take care of your kids. Like women have the ability to really help one another and to answer specific questions. And women want to get up in the pulpit. And yet we have very few older women who want to do this, who want to actually just sit down across the, the, the kitchen table and say, here's where I went wrong. Here's what I, what I think I did well. You know, here's the fruits that have been born out through this. We tried this. We tried that. I really wish I would have made this choice that was different. And this really was the, the effect. How much would that benefit somebody like my wife, who's 25 years old? How much would that benefit her to have somebody an older? And she does have some of those. Shout out Sissy. Shout out mom. And, and she's got other people that do this. But still, I mean, that's huge to have somebody in your corner you can sit across the table from. So first things first, there's a lot more that we can get into. But this is the first one I would mention is just the Titus to the mentorship of being mentored and mentoring other young women. Start there. If you're looking for yeah. something or for a way to help the church. And like use Titus to like mentor them about what? Well, I don't know. Use what Titus 2 talks about, like teaching them to be discreet, chase, homemakers, to love their husbands, love their children. These are things that young women, young ladies need to be taught how to do. And unfortunately, the sad piece of it is maybe a lot of their mothers aren't doing it. And so I do think that's where the the older, wiser women in the church 
you know, their role is not to just come sit on a pew and worship, maybe teach a kid's class and go home, man, look around. And we always think, well, the teenagers, and I think that's important, but you know, if you're 60 years old, what about the 30 year old woman who's got three kids and, you know, is trying to figure out how to keep them faithful and how to support her husband who works a lot. And, you know, all these things that I don't know, I feel like, and this is a different soapbox, women resort to the, the social media, Facebook groups, because a lot of this in-person disciple, you know, this in-person church mentorship, women, woman to woman doesn't happen. And so I can get on my soapbox all day long and say, I don't think women need to be going to these women's groups with people that live States away that they're never going to talk to. And it's just kind of a yes lighting circuit of uh, you, you go girl. And oh my goodness, you know, you're really not as bad as you think all these things that I see as a problem with the women's Facebook groups. Yeah, I can say that. But the problem is in most congregations, the older women aren't doing the one-on-one stuff. And so, yeah, I think this is a, a great place to start for if you're wanting, what, what is my role as a woman in the church? And work on this Titus 2, Titus 2 stuff. If you're a 65-year-old, look for the 30 and the 40 and the 20-year-olds. If, if you're 40 years old, look for the 20-year-olds. If you're, let's say you're 28 and, you know, not that you need to act like you have everything figured out, but man, take a, a teen, a 16-year-old girl under your wing and then try to, you know, bring them up and mentor them in that way. Again, I, I think so much more of that needs to take place. And I think if it did, there wouldn't be any need for these these Facebook groups. There wouldn't be any need for for a lot of the maybe even ladies' days that we just talked about. Like if the in person out to coffee over the dinner table, you know whatever it is was taking place. I don't know. I I think a lot of this this would be mitigated. Jack. Yeah, just in general, it's you're taking a supporting role, and again that that seems like you're being trampled or whatever else. This is how society works. I mean, like you look how a movie is made. Not everybody is Tom Cruise and. Uh, I don't know who's Margot Robbie's the big one right now. Not everybody gets to be them. You know, there are set designers, there's costume designers, there's directors, there's producers, there's, I mean, just all these people. It doesn't happen without them. Uh, football team, the offensive linemen, you know, they take a beating in there, but things don't happen without them. Uh, I mean, you can use this illustration in so many ways. Well, the same with the church, just because you're not the headliner, just because there's not, uh, you know, standing in front of people on Sundays, the women behind their elders, you look at the Proverbs 31 woman, for all the great things that she has, and it says her husband is known in the gates. It's an interesting thing. You know, he's kind of, because of the what everything she's doing on the home front, he's able to go out and make an impact on, on the civic, you know, the polis front. And then he comes home and praises her. And it's like, look, you know, this is not, you're incredible. This is all you, you know, like you're, you're, you're holding this all together. You know, thank you and blesses, you know, her, her children rise up and call her blessed. I'm paraphrasing here, but, you know, the supporting role, take that and and want to live that out. Because again, Uh, military, movies, football team, whatever illustration you want to use, everybody knows the unsung hero. Everybody knows, you know, like the people who are on the front lines, they know I am nothing without this person backing me up. I could not do that without you. Right. And so the elder, every elder has a good wife behind him. That's why, you know, I I think one of the reasons why husband and one wife Uh, ministers, I've been a minister who was single. I've been a minister who came home to a wife after, uh, you know, after getting blasted by members and things like that. It's just so much better. I mean, it it is so much better to have that companion, that support, that you know, person who is doing the behind the scenes thankless job and getting it done and, you know, oh man, it's thankless. Therefore, we should go find a, a job that gets thanks. No, the the right people will praise you. The right people are going to see it. The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. All this stuff, like it matters. You're behind the scenes, but you make a difference. So there are other various ways, I think, that, you know, you can serve the church outside of worship. 
Uh, one of the great ones I think is organizing meals for members. Women are fantastic. We got a lot of fantastic cooks. I think they can organize meals for, for members and really look to see. And yeah, you may say a man, you know, going back to act six, a man is over the ministry itself. Maybe he's the deacon for it, but women are the ones that are going to be doing the cooking, the baking, things like that. So I think you can help in that area. I would throw out another one. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier about the men being over the, maybe the, the whole idea of teaching kids classes, but I think women can teach kids classes. They connect with the kids. Yes, they would answer to the man and he needs to know what they're, what they're teaching and whatnot. But I think women can teach kids classes. I think that would be another really good way to serve. Um, what other ones, fellas, do we have? I, I, just, I, I think hospitality is at the center of everything. Will's got to go. So you want to get your last words in here? No, no, good. I got a couple more minutes. So you can oh, no, yeah, just, hospitality and I'll get to the last one. Yeah. I mean, I think like, let's, let's emphasize that as a central role that can make a big difference and, and just utilize that. The more you utilize that, the more you're going to see, wow, this really makes a difference. Yeah. So the last thing that I had on the list, we always talk about our masculinity, feminine episodes do very well. People want to know, you know, what is my role? Husband, wife, and Joe, Jack, I guess all three of us, we've, we've made the point before the man was created to have dominion to rule. The wife, the woman was created to really kind of aid the man on his mission, to to be that help meet for him in that. I don't know if y'all agree with this. I see kind of a similarity here with the church. With men, God created and designed men to lead in the church, to lead the church on its mission. What is the mission of the church? I and mean, you could throw out all kinds of things, the you know, benevolence, edification, evangelism, education. You know, overseeing, you know, making sure the reign of Christ is, is ruling over everybody in, in, in all areas of life. What is the woman's role? To aid the church on that mission. Not to lead the church on that mission, but to aid in the church, you know, accomplishing that mission through whatever form that takes. Again, as you consider all those things, benevolence and edification and evangelism and education, they're not authorized to lead in any of those. They absolutely have a role aiding in those in those different missions and roles and, and serving in various ways. And Joe, you made the point to start the episode. I think it's the perfect way to to bring it full circle. Leading is not everything. We need leaders, absolutely. And God has authorized men to do so. But to act like it's an all or nothing proposition where you, either you lead or you're just kind of a, a, a loser who does nothing, that is not the case. Even if you're a man listening to this and you're not qualified to be an elder or you're not talented as a preacher – don't think that your role is to just sit in a pew and basically do nothing. There are a lot of ways you can aid the church, and there's a lot of ways you can serve in all these various categories. And man, do I ever think that's what Ephesians 4.16 is talking about. What every joint supplies, with all these things in the, in the mission of the church, there are so many different ways men, women can serve and can, can aid in that mission. Men taking the leadership roles and women taking the, the supporting role. Again, just like in a marriage, that's what I see. What, what are y'all's thoughts on that before we wrap up? I love it. Those get well cards. We missed you. Wish you were worship. You know, the, the edification you talk about, the encouragement, the, the back calling end people thing and checking talking. in on them. Yeah. Calling people. Yeah. These are good for guys and girls both to be able to do. Um, but I think, you know, on the encouragement and the things that you're naturally good at, the nurturing people, the building up the preacher, uh, not in a flirtatious way, but building up the preacher and praying for the elders. And there's so many things on the back end that a woman could do. I think to your point, Will, to really aid the, the work of the church it's it's there's so much more so here's what we're going to do is we are way over time we are going to push some things to the deep end we're going to have a few more things in the deep end that i think women can well, do real we're quick have... I, I was going to uh try to hopefully maybe get some people interested in subscribing to focus plus we've had a oh, good yeah. discussion before about should women be allowed to talk in class i think that's actually one we, we the three of us kind of disagree on 
And so we are going to cover that in the deep end for all of you who are subscribers, for those of you who are going to get access to that. That's going to be a here's fun the, one. That's going to be fun. To here's the other one that I'm going to try to that I'm going to try to get to. We may have to have a long deep end because this is not even the questions that will that will get. I'm sure. Um, I want to cover for seventy two fifteen. What does it mean for women to be preserved or saved through the bearing of children? I think that is a fantastic a discussion. Very interesting. And I would love for everybody's thoughts on it. So subscribe to Focus Plus. We're going to do that. We're going to give some other ideas as to what women can do, practically speaking. I think we covered a lot of them. But I think if we were to sit here a little bit more, you know, we have before, we're just running out of time to go down the list of some things. We'll try to provide maybe a list, something we can post um, to go along with it for ideas that you can get to just help the work of the church. So fellas, we're going to wrap off there or wrap up there and sign off. Any other questions, thoughts, comments? All right. Thank Thanks you for, for listening. listening. Thanks for, yeah, for going along with us and we will talk to you again soon.